Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. So actually as a kid, I wanted to be a pro hockey player and a cartoonist in the off season. Mm. And so the art part, you know, has obviously come back in this cosmic journal and, and even in, like Evolved Enterprise, my other book, I didn't feel like it was fully complete. And then literally at like three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, I should illustrate a few things in here. So I added a few doodles and then it's got like this surge of energy around it. And so like going back to the stuff that you loved as a kid for doesn't even matter why, but seeing how do we incorporate it in certain ways. And it, it, it may be incorporating your business or it might not be. It might just be like almost like scheduling play dates for yourself. Play is recreation for a reason or recreation essentially. And it's just so powerful. Like you can just tell when somebody's lost that little boy or girl inside of them. There's a guy named Stuart Brown, who's a, I think a PhD who wrote a book called Literally Play. Mm -hmm. And his quote in here was, the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yannick, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Sridi, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that we could find time in between your snowboarding. And, <laughs> and <all laughs> you, you have fallen victim to my notorious rescheduling for the one thing that I will consistently reschedule for, which is either surf conditions or a day on the mountain. But you also caught me in a move to, to you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but as I said before, I totally understand and I actually appreciate it. Which is yeah. Good. Well, I, I never lie. I usually just tell people, hey, uh, I need to get a day on the mountain or I'm going to lose my mind. And trust me, we'll have a better conversation. Yeah, if we for it. sure. And it's like, it's just, a, I mean, it's a really good reminder that, you know, what, to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. And, well, so I, I want to start uh, differently than we did last time, because I think yeah. I believe if I remember correctly, last time I asked you about what your parents did for work. But this time, you know, I want to start asking you, what is one of the most important things that you learned from one or both of your parents that have influenced and shaped who you've become and, and what you've done with your life and, and sort of, you know, your character and the way that you've run your business and, you know, the work that you've done? Uh, great question. Um, I mean, I've learned a lot from both of them. Uh, and they're, they're kind of two different people. So my dad, so my, my family's Russian immigrants. We came over when I was three years old from Russia, from Moscow. And my dad pretty much got started right away with the medical equipment sales and service company because he got, he was about to get fired from his work at a hospital and it, he had a choice to either get fired or, or leave and he left. And so I learned from my dad, for sure, this idea of starting with nothing and, and building up something that, that immigrant success mentality and, and, and how to, how to just, you know, uh, again, start from nothing, build up something. My mom, um, she, she really, you know, gave me the gift of like just joy and happiness and also following your own heart. Like she, uh, 
she had uh, suffered from breast cancer and ovarian cancer and then breast cancer again for quite a long time. And then there's like three or four times the doctors like, get, you know, get your things together and, and, and she beat it each time. But anytime she was feeling good, she was, she was just happy and making sure that she was living life to the fullest. And, uh, like I remember, you know, one incident was really stands out for me was, uh, she was going to get remarried. My parents divorced when I was, when I was 13 and, and she was getting remarried a long time after. And, and so I'm like, well, I'll, I'll pay for your, your, your wedding and honeymoon, but we're going to Vegas and you're going to get married by Elvis. Like, <laughs> yeah, done. <laughs> so, you know, we had these great photos of, of her getting married off by Elvis and, and just, you know, she like, it didn't even like give, yeah, not, not even a second thought. She's like, yeah, of course. Mm, wow. So, you know, I mean, your mother, that sounds so different than sort of the standard immigrant narrative of we're here to bust our asses. Uh, you know, it sounds like you have two very sort of uh, different narratives from each parent, each of which have influenced you to say that you turn out much more balanced than somebody who basically just, you know, works their fingers to the bone. Uh, so a couple of things come from that. I, I wonder out of that immigrant narrative, you having had children, how much of that has been passed on and how much of that work ethic have you instilled in them? And, and what parts have you found that you get resistance from them from, you know, when, when you try to instill some of this? And the kid part is interesting. My kids now are 14 and 12. And uh, we, the, the one thing that I think that we did really well with them, well, there's a lot of things, but one thing that's been consistent is like a couple years ago, we created something we call the 13 silver keys. And these are like kind of like core values. And, and so most of the time on Sunday nights, uh, we'll have a dinner and then, and then the kids will share something that happened during the week that were parts of this, you know, that, 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 that are examples of these 13 silver keys. And then, so it's everything from like sing, dance and laugh to go the extra mile to explore, um, dare to dream big, uh, to all the way at the end, which is make magic, like being open and looking for the magic in the world. And, and these things that show up in these amazing ways. So the, you know, what I've always thought about is that I want to leave just like trail markers, right? Like I don't want them to follow. I, I don't need them to follow exactly what I've done. I don't need them to, I don't want to push them in a direction. I just want to give them like just some, some mile marker points or, or just, uh, you know, a little bit of a GPS that they can follow. And, and I want them to follow what, what gives them their, their true happiness that they feel really utilized and, and like they're contributing in their unique way. And I'm, I'm more about like them seeing what I do and less about me telling them. So I, I like it when they see me doing yoga or, or meditating. I like it when they, um, I don't know, see me going off and doing wild adventures and they know I'm signed up to go into space and so forth. So like, you know, for, for me, it's much more about, truly living my life and then that being the example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one thing I always wonder uh, with people who have parents who are immigrants and then, you know, grow up in this country, uh, I don't know if your wife is of, of Russian descent or not, but way, way, way back. So, you know, I'd say American. Yeah. So the, the thing that I always wonder is when you have um, immigrant parents, you come to this country, you have this aspect of culture, how do you choose what you're going to preserve and retain and, and maintain heritage over time? Because, you know, and I've talked about this on the show before, but I've always been intrigued by it for some reason, because I think that the first thing to go usually is language and then bit by bit, other things start to go. So yeah. I wonder, you know, how, how have you chosen to preserve aspects of your own culture with your kids? You know, I... I don't think I've done a great job with this actually, uh, because my, my parents would talk to me in Russian. I'd respond back in English. <laughs> I can relate. And no, Russian, it, it but, like, yeah, yeah, our language. Yeah. 
like you didn't want to be the weirdo immigrant child. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I was for sure the weirdo immigrant child. Um, you know, I joke around with, with, uh, my, my friends and, and, and my cousin who's known me, you know, for forever. She's seven years younger and now she works with me. I'm like, I didn't have sneakers until I was 14. She's like, whatever, you're lying. I'm like, no, no, really. And I like pulled up a picture and it's like these, these brown leather or something, you know, shoes. And then I had sandals and, and just like, like at some point you like, you don't, you want to be, you want to fit in. Right. So, so that was, that was a big part. And then you're like, you know, that was actually really special that, you know, that you had this other background and then you start coming back to it in some ways. So I, I, but I don't think I've done a great job of like instilling, you know, anything. So our heritage is, is Russian Jews. So, uh, instilling, the Judaism part, like I, and I also don't like relate anymore to, to any of that. Like I'm much more universal, um, spiritual than anything else. I'm, I'm interested in where all religions or where all spiritual traditions intersect and so forth. So I'm just like more, more about like letting them figure it out on their own. And I don't know. It's, 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 it's tough because there's, there's no real like Russian celebration that, that we as a family continue doing. And there's no like, you know, we'll, we'll do like Hanukkah or something like that. But, and, and, but there's no, there's no real tradition that continues. Mm, wow. So um, I, I want to revisit part of the conversation that you and I had last time. And I, I still to this day, have remember this and I, I've written about it in articles. I've quoted it. Uh, we were talking about money and success. And I remember you telling me the story of how you sold your Aston Martin and you had this client who had told you that he wanted to be a billionaire. And when you had him really dissect the essence of his goal, it turned out that he didn't need a billion dollars. And I remember even going through this exercise myself, uh, you know, thinking the same thing. And I thought, okay, the only thing I could use a billion dollars for is to buy a professional sports team, which is a weird <laughs> sort of interest of mine. I don't even like watch sports, but I play sports video games religiously. And I just think it would be awesome to own a sports team. So that's the only thing I could use a billion dollars for. Um, but that really struck me in particular because on any given day when you you know scroll through your Facebook news feed, you go to websites like Medium, people hear guests like you on podcasts like ours, there's this constant narrative of, oh, this is the standard uh, for success. These are the people that we look up to. These are the people we should be modeling ourselves after. And yet that almost kind of, you know, that you have these two messages that are in conflict with each other, one which is about the essence of your goals, and yet you're constantly being bombarded by external influences that potentially alter what you think is are the essence of your goals or the is, is the essence. So I wonder how you navigate that dynamic. I think you have to really like I love um, I love continuing to question what what is you know what's sort of the, the essence of it, right? Like getting down to bedrock. And one of the easiest ways of doing it is, is if you, if you find yourself being like, Oh yeah, I wish I had whatever, you know, make up a number or make up a thing that you want. I want, you know, this particular, you know, beach house, or I want this jet or I want, you know, whatever it is. I want a, uh, I want a million dollars in the bank. I want 10, I want, you know, like you said, a billion, whatever it is. And then if the easiest way is to just ask why and, and write, you know, I'm a big journaler. We'll, we'll talk about journaling. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, so writing, even just why, Right. And then writing why again, and then writing why again, and why again, and why again. So even just like five times will get you down to what is the true bedrock of it. And, and it gets away from like, what's the, the ego aspect of it and what's the, what, what's the true essence of it. And usually it's around either, either freedom 
or, or love, uh, or just something that that's a much more uh, just just deeper, deeper essence that you can get to. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you a, a really cool uh, magic way of, of doing this even more. So you could do it with your dominant hand. You could also do maybe your first couple answers with your dominant hand and then your last two with your non-dominant hand. So use your, you know, I'm right hand, so I would use my left hand and and come up with something. And it's it's so powerful. It's so deep. Mm. So what I wonder about somebody like you, I mean, like I said, you know, we talked about the fact that you had sold an Aston Martin, uh, you know, last time we were here. So, I mean, you had pretty much everything that most of us think equal success by material standards. This whole idea of understanding the essence of your goals, is that something, is that a conclusion that you came to after you achieved material success? Because I think that in my mind, the sort of cynical person would say, yeah, that's easy for Yannick to say he has money and he's well off. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote a blog post way, way, way back about like do, does something about I can't remember the title, but it was something. But the essence of it was like does does wanting a Rolex make you successful? And it was it was just like you know originally way back I wanted a Rolex to like kind of prove I was successful, and then I got it, and I was I was like man, and then and then you know it was the it was the fancier car, and it kept upgrading fancier cars and fancier cars, and then it was. Um, and, and like, I had this whole progression of goal setting, you know, originally it's just like writing down your goal, very specific thing. And then I added, um, or more or better or faster or sooner, whatever it is. And then it was, okay, you know, what, what's, what's it really about? And, and, uh, you know, that the 10 million, in the bank is really about the freedom of working with who you want, doing the things that you want when you want, yeah. and you don't need the 10 million in the bank. Like for that, it's like you get to the real essence of it. So I haven't come to a conclusion if, you know, if you actually need the material wants first that then drive you to, to do it, or if you're, if you can just be wise enough and smart enough and be like, well, maybe I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe there's something in, in you that you have to like prove it to yourself or prove it to your parents or something like that. But if you can get away from that, like and really look at why are you doing it again, then, mm-hmm. then maybe you can, you can shortcut that process. Yeah. Well, I think that there's there's the the sort of hedonic treadmill, right? Of the goalpost just keeps moving, and even Brian Holiday, when we were here recently, you know, it was crazy to, to you know this was his eighth book, which I think was number one on the New York Times bestseller list after eight tries, and now three books in the same year. But one of the things that he said that was so interesting was he said, you know, that there's always this next level that we think we have to get to. And he said, and the thing is, he said that that drives a lot of accomplishment, that belief, because he said, if, if we didn't have that, then nobody who was Senator would have the ambition to become president. So he said, it's, it's good on the aggregate, but on the individual level, it's a complete lie. Um, it doesn't lead to the satisfaction that you think it will. And yet I, I think that anybody listening to this can understand that intellectually, but until they're in that position of being there, I don't think they get sort of an emotional understanding of it because I mean, even when I came to your events, one of my first thoughts was, what the hell am I doing here? Everybody here is like a millionaire and I'm, you know, a guy writing books and like putzing along. This is, I feel like a total imposter in this environment because I mean, the people in your, your circle are are impressive to say the least. Every one of them has built like huge companies or taken companies public or been, you know, at the forefront of, you know, massive public companies. So with that, you know, dynamic, how do you, I guess, really learn from people like this without falling into this imposter syndrome or syndrome trap? And do you ever feel that when you're surrounded by these people? 
Yeah, I do actually, uh, because uh, you know you get in that spot, especially when you start comparing, and and that's such a. And, and this is one of the things I keep being you know, like my daughter would. You could wake her up at three in the morning, and she'd be like, "Oh, don't compare." You know, <laughs> you compare she makes you unhappy or whatever, and and you know she'll like roll her eyes when she tells you that. But but it, you know she's heard it enough that maybe it sinks in, and it's it, it's definitely difficult if you allow yourself to to get on that that same path, which is especially as if looking at social media or looking at anyone else's stuff going on or, or you start comparing yourself to them. And, and what I found is it's really funny. Like you, you don't realize that they're also thinking the same because you most likely have done something that, that they're like, Oh, I wish I could do that or, or whatever the case is. But, and at the, at the real core of it though, is, is like how comfortable we are with, with ourselves and how well we know ourselves, how well we, we truly, I mean, this is going to sound soft and fluffy, but, but how well we, we love ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think this is a mutual friend of ours, Kamal Ravikant, uh-huh. who wrote an amazing book, um, you know, love yourself like your life depends on it. And it just got re- released again. And, you know, that was when I was going through a pretty dark time of like just my identity being so wrapped up into my business and things were going sideways because I had kind of fallen, followed this cosmic alarm clock, as I call it, of like getting away from the digital marketing, internet marketing space and just following what, what this whole maverick path was. Um, I, I There's definitely a dark period of like, like, wow, my friends are like killing it and crushing it. And I'm just... I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like sideways, just, you know, it, it would be so easy at that point to go back to the sort of the golden handcuffs, but I kept being driven by this fact that there was something more and, and a bigger reason why. Hmm. And I think if you have a bigger reason why for what you're doing, you're able to, to then not be so influenced by, by, by what seems like is the, the, the typical narrative that that society is thrusting on us. Yeah. It, it's funny to hear you talk about sort of moving away from that sort of digital marketing, you know, aspect of things. I think when we rebranded as Unmistakable Creative, that was like a very, very clear decision to do exactly that. But I knew also the cost of doing that was going to be that it would slow down our growth. Um, we would be taking a step back and, you know, two steps back to take 20 forward in the future. And yeah. I saw it. I saw it firsthand that people who started after we did became bigger. They had bigger audiences uh, with their yeah. podcasts. And yet, you know, I, I also started to see those very same people almost two or three years later start to bow out. And I mean, these are mutual friends of ours who basically have put their podcast as you podcast on a temporary hiatus, which to me basically means they're not coming back. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, and I, I realized I was like, wow, okay, had I not been committed to this sort of purpose that I have to make the world more creative, then I think, uh, you know, it would have been easy to basically sell out, so to speak, and do something. Yeah, or, or, get, or get lost doing the stuff that you thought you should be following or, yeah. or, that, or that, you know, is the, the next trend or the next whatever. But, but yeah, having that bedrock of the, you know, that mission and the, that North Star is so, so powerful. And, and it takes exploration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really takes you doing the hard work of, um, as, you know, as creatives, like I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think we're all artists as well. Yeah. So I think there's a real nice, uh, overlap between this idea of, 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 of unmistakable creatives and artists and, and entrepreneurs, because like, I, I feel like you can truly put your heart and soul into something and, and it's a piece of art. And, but you also have to look at some of the darker sides of yourself, mm-hmm. which is your shadow aspects. Yeah. And not enough people really look at that part because it's, it's messy and it's painful. And, 
it requires you to to do some digging and and so like i was actually just having a conversation with uh i can't remember who it was yesterday at a at a small little marketing uh, mastermind i was at but but we were talking about the shadow side and they were asking me about you know what what had i explored on my shadow side and, and i immediately brought up about this part of of, of an artist and and then having an archetype which is uh being uh, self-sabotaging as an artist. And I'm like, okay, well, every single part of us actually actually empowers us and, and, and there's a reason for it if we can make friends with that part of us. And so how does that help me? And, and then it, it forced me to look at everything that wasn't, didn't feel like art to me, I would kind of self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't want it to get out and get bigger because it didn't feel like the fullest expression of who I was. Mm. And, and so that's why... I was, I was, I think I, I shut down a lot of these, these other things. That's why, you know, I kept, it's like, as you move up higher and higher in this mountain, I guess you, you're, you're whittling away what, what isn't truly you. You're not, you're whittling away what's, what's really, really good to get to what's, what's really great. Mm, wow. So uh, I think this actually makes a perfect segue into talking about the, the new book. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask you one other thing, which I think is actually a perfect setup to talk about the material in the book itself. You're this interesting blend of sort of emotional and logical, spiritual and practical um, because of the fact that, you know, you're, you have all the stuff that I've often written off as new age bullshit. Um, <laughs> and yet you incorporate it into your life in a way that makes you successful. So I wonder how people integrate those two things at the same time, because I think that it our tendencies are to go in one extreme or the other uh i know that I, for me the tendency is absolutely to go in the extreme of logic and i'm like if you can't back up with real science it's nonsense uh to a fault you know like i'm skeptical almost to a fault of things that i can't explain or understand with research and yeah. so I, you know i wonder how you've integrated both those aspects of yourself and how other people do as well uh, I think it's being open to it is one thing. Like, um, so actually, I'm, I'm drinking from a, a, a mug, and it has like one of my favorite quotes on there from uh, attributed to to Einstein, which says, "There are only two ways to live your life: one is though nothing is a miracle, and the other as though everything is." And and I think it comes with our just being willing to to just be open. You know, you don't have to be so open that you, you, you know, accept absolutely everything that that's thrown at you. Uh, but, but I think that we have, um, we have a really good internal barometer of like, okay, that resonates and that feels true. Even if it, you can't 1000%, you know, show the, the facts behind it or the science behind it or whatever, you know, you want to, to make it feel fully, um, just logical. And I think that's, that's where I'm okay with like being, being open to stuff and not, having to to say okay prove it to me fully and and you'll find this a lot with uh, i don't know how how often you have like synchronicities or or these things that show up in, in in your life like that and to me they're a perfect example of that because there's always a way of like writing it off as like well you know it could just be a coincidence uh but but when you start looking at it it you know, might not be a coincidence like uh i don't know like one that really really meant a lot for me and was we we normally do a a summit for Maverick members. Uh, it used to be in the in the first week in December. We since moved it now to like the second week in January. But but it's always like that first week in December. And and so during 2012 for this Mayan calendar change, uh, I had been studying a lot about this, and, and I just thought it was really fascinating. I'm like, we need to be there. 
And my team's like, what? No, we're not going there. It's four days before Christmas. And I'm like, no, we need to go down to the Mayan Riviera. And then they were able to find a, uh, a Mayan village we could actually spend the night at. And we brought everyone in and we brought everyone into a Temescal. I don't know if you, you know what that mm-hmm. is, uh, which is a, a sweat lodge, and, and but a Mayan sweat lodge. And so you go in there and the symbolism is that you're going into the womb of the earth to be reborn. And, and so we were like late getting there. There's an accident on the road. The shaman was late. Um, and, and we had two groups that was, that that were in there because it was like 60 some people and only fits about 30 people. And this is super, you know, pitch dark. Uh, and then it's hard to breathe because they bring in a uh, lava rock that they pour water on. And it's, it's like, you know, imagine a sauna, but times five, how, how hot it is or times three and pitch dark closed, you know, very sh- low ceilings. And, and previous to that, I, I got bits of claustrophobia. So I didn't think I was going to stay in there, but, but I did stay in there. And, and so we literally come out uh, you have to yell to move this big boulder that they have blocking the entrance and we yell and then we come out, we hear the other group being like five, four, three, two, one. And we came out literally at midnight at the, you know, on the winter solstice of this mind calendar change. And it was like the first time that I can really recall that I was like, you know, this is exactly where I was meant to be in this time and space. Because previous to that, I'm a, I'm a seven on an Enneagram, which is like, you want to experience everything. You want to, you want to try everything. You want to you know knock it off your, your checklist and so forth. And, and it was such a powerful moment for me and that symbolism being re, reborn that it just felt like we were meant to be there. Now, you know, you could be like, well, of course, you know, it just so happened that you came out at midnight and, and that, that could be the case too, but it had such tremendous meaning for me and synchronicity. And, and, and that's the other thing is that we're all meaning making machines. So why not, also allow yourself to have a greater meaning aligned with something bigger. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hey, it's Trini. I hope you're liking this episode of The Unmistakable Creative. Did you know that every Sunday, our community manager, Melina, sends out 10 key takeaways from episodes like this one? All you have to do to receive it is sign up for our newsletter. Just visit unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter and you'll get them delivered right to your inbox. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter. Well, I think that that makes, uh, like I said, a perfect segue into the book to, to do something that has a greater meaning that's aligned with you. I mean, you and I were talking about the whole audience of one concept and the fact that this really right. began as something you started doing for an audience of one, which led to a, a book deal with the publisher. So what prompted this? Yeah, so it's, it's uh, this cosmic journal. Um, you know what prompted it way back is actually I, I just realized this, and it's another synchronicity, which is which is really interesting. Was um, the, have you ever seen uh, Carl Jung's uh, Red Book? I haven't actually. <laughs> it's it's a fascinating. It's like super oversized book. It's a book that he released after his death or his um, his family released. He didn't want to put it out while he was alive because he was worried that the scientific community uh, wouldn't take him seriously anymore because it was, it was basically a channeled book. It was like this that he had uh, this, this entity, uh, Philemon, 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 uh, who was like, you know, feeding him this whole story and this mythical story. And then so he, he drew it, illustrated all of it. And I was just like fascinated by, by this. I've, I've, I've loved Jung just from all the different things he, he's brought forth. And, and so I had 
actually drawn a picture of him in my journal way, way, way back and had a little cartoon, you know, thought bubble, uh, dialogue bubble. And it said, uh, create your own red book. And I'm like, Oh, that's funny. And, and then like I saw many years later, I saw this challenge going around, which was a hundred day art challenge. And, and so in my journal, I even wrote like thinking about it. I'm like, you know, God, do I want to do this? Like I, you know, I travel around a lot. Do I really want to commit to this? Like what would, what would it be? And then what would I be excited to put out a piece of art every single day for? And, and so I decided on like creating a journal page every single day, uh, that was illustrated. And then just my thoughts on, on just, I call it this galactic instruction manual you were missing when you're born to uh, re-remember your destiny here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what I was, you know, the audience of one is for myself. It was like my own little galactic instruction manual yeah. of fulfilling my destiny here. And, and, and so every single day, so instead of a hundred days, uh, I, I made it 108 days because in the wisdom and yogic traditions, a uh, much more uh, meaningful number. And very first thing I did was have my black moleskin and I put, you know, 108 blank check boxes and just committed to, to doing it every single night. So some nights it would be taking something from my, you know, from years and years of journals and then going back and, and redoing them and putting them in this thing. And other times it'd literally just be meditating and seeing what was wanted to come through me. Mm. And it was, it, it was like the, it's, have, have you ever like felt like, so I, I have this term that I love. It's called effortless effort. Yeah like putting your full self into something and, but it, but it feels like so joyful, like you're feeling fully utilized. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt every single day when I checked off that checkbox. And, and some nights, you know, it's two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning that I'm writing this. I'm, I could be at one of our events. I'm, you know, whatever it is, I'm like, no, I'm committed to doing this. And that checkbox is so powerful. And as a byproduct, you know, anytime you make these kind of commitments to yourself and you follow through your, your self-confidence, I think you're, you're just your, the way that you make agreements with, with yourself gets stronger and stronger. And so that was another byproduct. But then I started using it like an Oracle, like maybe about 50, 60, 70 days into it. Um, I would just pop it open and it would have like this incredible message for me and, and all this magic would show up. And, and so a, a funny like just synchronicity that I just realized was so when I wrote that little thing about young and and I actually illustrated a a picture from, from the book, it was uh, print number one eleven, and this cosmic journal, uh, it's like the wildest thing I've ever edited or put together. And, and so when I had, um, when I finished it up, I had an artist scan in all the, all the pages and they're a little like two inch by two inch little, little contact sheets that I cut up. And so imagine this, Renee, I had literally all these pages, um, two inch by two inches on my kitchen island and trying to figure out what the hell the order was. And, and so like moving them around and, and then I put like a little note, uh, on there for my kids in the morning. I'm like, don't, don't touch this. Don't blow. Don't, don't like do anything. Like, you know, I was up, I was up late working on it. And then the, the night that I finished it was at exactly one eleven a.m. Uh, and then that, you know, the piece from the Carl Young book was print number 111. And then I also created these left-hand prompt pages because, you know, again, they're just created for me. But when I made it into a real project, I finished those left-hand prompt pages at 111 a.m. And it wasn't like I had this alarm that goes off. I'm like, okay, I'm done. So 
just really lots of unique magical things that happen mm. from it. So I, I think just you know, when I looked at this, I, I noticed that you had so many sort of different life lessons. You, you know, you talk about the benefits of journaling. One of the questions I had about the creative aspect of this is, did you act, like, do you actually know how to draw? Did you draw all this stuff yourself during the process? Because <laughs> my handwriting is so atrocious that I could never pull something like this off. Yeah, I, I hand drew every single one of these things. Uh, every single page is hand drawn by me, hand and written by me, which also made the editing process unbelievably interesting because when, when it did turn into a real thing, my editor is like, okay, you need to get rid of this paragraph or this thing. And then, and then we'd be like, I'd rewrite the entire page or a section and then we cut and paste and, and add, new, you know, I have to have new drawings certain times. It was, it was fascinating. Mm. So I want to start with the thing that stood out to me the most in, in terms of all of this. And one of the things you mentioned is why blend in if you are made to stand out? I mean, given that I've built an entire brand around that message, to me, that was naturally the one that stood out to immediately. Yeah. So what, what do you think it is about us that makes us want to fit in when we were made to stand out. And I'll give you one other example. So yesterday I wrote a blog post. This has like been an ongoing thought in my head that I've just been kind of riffing on. And, you know, as a joke, I wrote a, a you know, you know, Facebook post that'll fix your fucked up life, have more sex and make more money, which I think is the premise of every <laughs> self-help book ever written. And I wrote it as a joke. And then I did a follow-up on it about coaches and self-help books and how basically it just is this vicious circle of buy my book, come to my seminar, then hire me to be your coach to fix the problem that you never had <laughs> to begin with. Uh, and and I, I got some flack for it. And I, I noticed this morning, I was thinking to myself, wow, these are friends of mine, people who've been guests on the podcast, and I kind of pissed them off. And part of me was like really close to saying, oh, maybe I should go delete the post. <laughs> right. But that's how you, you truly felt. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so much easier to, to, to kind of blend in and, and not, not proclaim what makes us so, so, you know, remarkable, what makes us so unique, what makes us, uh, because it's safer or it feels safer. But, but at the same time, I feel like our soul dies a little bit each, each moment that we don't do that. Like, we, like you're, you know, you talk about the imposter syndrome being in that room or feeling it, but the true imposter syndrome to me is living your life that you're, that you're just kind of mailing it in, you're phoning it in. And, and so this, this is page 35 that you're talking about, which says, why blend in if you're made to stand out? And it says, somehow we think we're being humble if we don't proclaim our greatness to fully stand up and be in our unique contribution, the thing you do better than just about anyone else. And usually it's a combination of several talents and interests from your background. Nobody likes to overconfident boaster, but more times than not, we underestimate how valuable what we do really is. Sometimes it's because it comes so easy to us, but genius is the combination of multiple areas that are perfectly natural for us. And only you stand fully in that perfect space, deliver your greatest gift to the world. Mm. We're waiting. And, you know, again, this is like partly written for me. And, and now that I think about it, now that it's out, like is is really written for my kids, for my grandkids. It's like, it, it's just, you know, things that were going through my head or lessons that I want to pull out from over the years, but then somewhere like just completely new things that were just downloads from the universe that I got. Mm. And this, this, but this idea of um, not wanting to stand out is it's like this combination of like, well, it, it seems so easy, you know, what I do so well that no one else would, you know, would value it. Yeah. And, and that's what we have to get rid of. But then also it's like this combination, like, where I think the real creativity is, is combining multiple things together and, and coming up with your own new, almost like new genre in a way. And, and the guy who created Dilbert Scott Adams, I think talks about like 
where are like three items that you can do that are, you can do really well yeah. and you combine them together. And then that becomes the unique thing that you do. And, and all of it is like, we look back and there's like these little, you know, these little dots, these little connection points, these little things that, uh, that we loved. And then you start combining it all. And, and that's where, that's where the magic is. Yeah. I think one of the other ones naturally, of course, uh, being somebody who's an author and who lives and dies by books was the, the idea of books stack your positive future. And I know that you and I have had multiple Instagram conversations about our libraries, uh, because yeah. of, I think we're both very much just sort of book addicts. Like I go through two books a week. Um, uh, yeah. one, I, you know, I, you even write about sort of some of your earliest books that have influenced you. What are some not so conventional books, maybe ones that we haven't heard mentioned a thousand times that have uh, played a role in your life. Yeah. I mean, to me, books are like, they're some of my best friends. Like I love books because, you know, somebody put 10, 20, 30, 40 years of their life into it. Uh, the ones anyway, who are, you know, who truly put their heart and soul into the books. And uh, it's, uh, it's just such a, such a powerful, powerful thing. And then uh, I think there's magic in books too, like the right kind of books. So I, I'm a big fan of like oracles and then like, you know, obviously, I, obviously, as you know, like the magic and the synchronicity and the things like that. So I'll, I'll flip to different books and, and be like, Oh, here's the message I need for today or whatever it is. And I love that part. But some, some ones that I think are uh, maybe under underrated or, or really weird and, and cool. Uh, there's one called a brief tour of higher consciousness by a guy named Itzhak Bentoff. He was like, um, he helped invent, uh, like missiles in the Israeli army and, and he's invented a bunch of different things, like a bunch of, um, like some cardiac, maybe stents or something like that. So, you know, not, not a dumb guy and, but he was a hardcore meditator. And then this was like what came out of his meditations. And so it's a really, really cool, it's a really interesting book, uh, and not super well known. And then I don't know. I, I love I love weird books for sure. Uh, I like I don't know. Let's see what what else would be would be interesting. Um, go with something something really really odd. Um, Astro theology and shamanism. Mm. It was <laughs> probably not too many people have read that. It's all about like the the the, the psilocybin mushroom and how that actually has influenced uh, mystical thought and and religion. And so uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of almost, almost anything. I like, um, I'm really intrigued by, by different things and then making those connection points and seeing where they fit in. Mm. So there's one other one that caught my attention. And I noticed that it was from your daughter. Uh, and so I wanted to have you talk about it, the rainbow rules. <laughs> yeah, it's such a fun one. Uh, let's see what page that is. You have a page number up? Uh, I don't, I just noticed it because you noticed yeah, I yeah. saw that that caught my That's, attention while I was, you know, like I said, this is one of the rare occasions which I don't have the physical version of your book oh, in front yeah. of me because no, I got it. Packing <laughs> page page eighty three. So uh, this is uh, so, so my daughter Zoe now is twelve. I have a, a boy and a girl, and and she's like she's definitely the philosopher. I mean, when she was like three, she's like, so daddy, who are who are God's parents? I'm like. It's a great, great question. Um, so she wrote these seven rainbow rules and it's like, everyone has one same power following your dreams. Everyone can be what they want. Everyone is true. Don't give up. Be cool. Do what you want and show it. Be special and good. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, that's so, that's so good. And so I wrote, you know, she, I, I wrote by Zoe Silver, age eight and a half, but I think it was like, even when she was like seven or, or so, you know, I think a bit younger and, and so I redrew these in her handwriting 
And she's actually part of the book in different times. So I let her draw one or two little things in here. I let her, uh, you know, obviously this whole page is, is her page. And, and just this idea that like kids are, are kind of like the best truth tellers. Like they, I found her stuff in this old butterfly journal that I was cleaning out in the basement. And that's where these rainbow rules are. And then like, I think our teachers are like, or sorry, our, our children are our teachers uh, in like, if we let them and, and they are, you know, they, they truly are like, there's, there's something super wise about them. If you it, let them kind of, um, kind of share with you their, their magic and, and allow them to, to do that. Wow. So I think the thing that struck me most about those rainbow rules, as you were just even describing your daughter <laughs> is the sense of optimism that a kid has and sort of the sense of cynicism that we start to develop as adults simply because of life experience, right? We, we basically, any one of us could take everything that is in one of the rainbow rules and say, yeah, I have an, a counterexample based on life experience. Yeah. And I don't think that that happens, you know, necessarily because we're intentionally cynical, uh, but life experience does harden us a little bit. So I wonder, you know, how do you maintain that sort of semblance of childlike optimism as an adult? I think it's so important to like keep that, that inner child, like that, that piece of you alive. And, and so for me, it's usually like going back to what did I love to do from the ages of like maybe eight to 13 or even six to 13 and seeing what what was that right like so as a, actually as a kid i wanted to be a pro hockey player and a cartoonist in the off season mm. and so so the art part you know has obviously come back in this cosmic journal and and even in, like evolved enterprise my other book um i didn't feel like it was fully complete and then literally at like three o'clock in the morning i'm like oh i should illustrate a few things in here and and then so i added a few doodles and then it's got like this surge of energy around it and so like going back to the stuff that you loved as a kid for doesn't even matter why. And, but seeing how do we incorporate it in certain ways? And it, it, it may be incorporating your business or it might not be, it might just be like almost like scheduling play dates for yourself. And uh, there's a page in here about play is, is called, uh, you know, play is re recreation for a reason or recreation essentially. And, and it's just so powerful. Like you can just tell when somebody's lost that little boy or girl inside of them, uh, it's page 101 and it's, there's a great quote in here. There's a guy named Stuart Brown, who's a, I think a PhD who wrote a book called literally play. Mm -hmm. And his quote in here is the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. Wow. And it's, it's such a powerful concept that, that we can add like play, like what, what truly gives you joy and how do you, how do you make sure that it's part of your life? It, it just is going to, like, so when I did this, uh, this challenge for myself, like every single day, like I can, I can notice my creativity increased in other aspects of, of my business, of, of my work. I just felt more joyful. Mm. And so adding that part is so, so powerful. And I've been really lucky. Like the, the mentors that I have, they, they play, right. Uh, there's a guy named Frank McKinney, who's, uh, who builds these very high end, uh, mansions in Florida South Florida on the beach, uh, on spec, you know, it's a $20 million mansion is his last one. He's about to retire. And, and then we would go to Haiti for several years together. And, and when we went to the orphanages, like he, he just like taught me even a whole new level of play. I, you know, I, I, I can play for sure, but he, he is just even more so. And just to see it, um, where he would climb up on top of this bus and he would take a basketball and throw it as high as he could and have all the kids try and 
try and catch it and it like land on some of their heads and you know they'd all be laughing he'd be laughing and you know he'd have these races with them where they, they would run and he would run with them and it's just like just you know that that is such a gift to to not not lose because you can become super cynical and and become an adult and feel like oh this is what i'm this is the way i'm supposed to be and and you don't have to be wow so i have two uh final questions for you uh, i think you know getting back sort of to the essence of of goals at this point in your life, I think you've accomplished many of the things that most of us probably would consider bucket list items, you know, the fancy cars, the, you know, successful business, you know, sort of all the check boxes of society's life plan, so to speak. Right. Uh, how do you, how do you define success now and how has it changed with age? Mm. You know, to me, it's, it's all about intentionality. It's about like every single year I'll go off into the woods a little bit on um, winter solstice and then just set my intention for for the, the year. And then also as we're in this new decade, it's really become a new, uh, just a mile marker of, okay, what, what is like 2020 to me feels like a, a, a really powerful moment because 2020 equals perfect vision. So really making sure that, that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. And, and the question that I've continued to, to sort of grapple with and, and explore is, and anyone that's successful, no matter what level, like they have a lot of things they could be doing, but what, what are they truly meant to be doing? Like, what's the discernment? What's, what is theirs to do? And, and so that's been where, where I've been focused on. And, and I really realized that for me, it's my, my role is to catalyze the catalysts. And that's, you know, if I can be doing that, that's, that's really, that, that's success for me. Wow. Uh, well, I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think it's when they when they put their full heart and soul into something because it's that unique expression of of who they truly are. And and you know, I think you hit it so well. This idea of an audience of one. It's like what you really want for yourself is going to make you unmistakable. Mm. Amazing. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and to come back uh, for a second round of subjecting yourself to my insane questions. Uh, <laughs> it's always fun. It's it's always it's always enjoyable, and, and you got you got good questions that make me think, and I love it. Uh, where can people find out more about you, uh, your work, and the new book? Uh, you can go to cosmicjournal.com and you can see some illustrations and different things. And actually, there's a an oracle page on there. You can click on it, and it'll have a message for the day for you. Uh, of course, any online booksellers got it. And then uh, I blog occasionally at Yannick Silver, Y-A-N-I-K, silver.com. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.